0: Adelaide United fans, Adelaide United members, Adelaide United family, we are back season 22-23 by Suzu Ute A-League Men's Competition and Liberty A-League Women's Competition. Your Adelaide United are back and we are very excited about that Um, and we're in a a little bit of a different location for this series or season of the Pitch Podcast because um, ultimately what we are doing is using our ability to utilise technology and go on location. And right now, we are sitting looking over the newly redeveloped Cooper Stadium. It's It's been a long time coming, a, a long time in the making, and it's better that someone else can share with you what you are going to experience on Sunday when um, hopefully you all turn up to Cooper Stadium, 2.30 kickoff against Perth Glory. Our first home game of the new season because it's... It's awesome. So to tell us more, CEO of Adelaide United, Nathan Cosmina. Nathan, thank you for joining us on the pitch. Jared, how are you? I'm good. I'm pumped to be here because I'm, I'm having a look around and um, – I'm, I'm genuinely excited because I'm I'm looking at two massive screens, which for, for someone like me that um, spends a bit of time at different sporting venues, it's a big draw card. You want to see what the screens are like. We look at um, a core stadium in Sydney where they have that huge landscape screen. Allianz have done their big upgrade. Now it's our turn. And it's not just that here at Cooper Stadium. It's it's everything. That term I've used it heaps now is a proper football venue. And this now solidifies our venue as the best in the country when it comes to, to football. Talk us through it.
1: Yeah, well, there's a bit there's a bit going on still. We're we're, um, we're there now, but uh, there were many a day where I was wondering whether the place would actually be ready for the thirtieth of October. But um, look, it's been a big undertaking, and I suppose we initially need to thank uh, Adelaide Venue Management who have um, run this project between the end of our last season, which was Melbourne City, and uh, the semi final here, um, up until this game. So. Fans that come in will see a drastically different Cuba Stadium. Whilst it's still the same, um, it's had a facelift and a long overdue facelift. In that, the last time anything meaningful was done to this place was the Olympics. So about ninety eight. Um, pre that was the sixties, I think, when um, uh, the the original Western Stand was originally built. But they brought it into the twenty first century. We love this place. Our fans love this place. Um, Football pundits around the country love this place, best stadium in the country. It, basically, every time we get a commentator here, we get that comment. Um, because of its boutique nature, the fact that it's got history, um, it's the same turf of grass that was played on, you know, back in the 50s. Socceroos have played here, so on and so forth. But what it's lacked in recent years is modern amenities, um, the roof being the main one, um, but just everything people come to expect from a modern, modern stadium. Um, when you talk about the big screens, you talk about lights, you talk about ease of access. Uh, it was it was well overdue, and now this this is now brings it in line with with all, what I would consider you know the, the modern fan experience. Um, people will come in here and, and enjoy a better match day. Aside from the football, we've obviously been proud of our football in recent years, but we haven't been able to deliver what we have wanted around the football. And I think this season will be different, and everyone will really enjoy it. Let's lift the curtain
0: on what's going on behind us because if you can hear minimal noise in the background where um, we've got a gurney on some of the stuff to make it look nice and clean. They're testing the lights out at the moment. My word, they are bright. Mm. Like, even during the day. Now, we're recording this in the afternoon, um, but they are certainly bright. So they've been upgraded. There's speakers going around. And the other thing I've noticed is on that eastern stand, um, that that shelter there, which is going to be a real... I guess a a comfortable thing for our fans to know, especially those ones that turn up early... Um, throughout the summer there's protection now there from the rain um, and the sun in certain elements of it and I know if you or your your kids play FIFA, whenever you want to play as Adelaide United you get to pick a custom stadium that looks like Cooper Stadium but you never could because we only had one bit of coverage on one of the grandstands now we've got like a FIFA stadium that you can pick because it looks like it, so there's a lot there.
1: It's the small things in life for a football fan like a roof is like such a talking point, we joke in the office, it's more than a roof. You know, there's a story to tell around everything that's going on here. But fundamentally, we were just stuck in, you know, and the, the place was built in 98 or upgraded in 98. It was only really half done, to be perfectly honest. Um, the, the roof's on the west, but there was no other roof um, and there was no real plans for anything to be done in that period. Now we've got a roof on the east, like most stadiums. At least, you know, we've got 50% of it covered, but like most stadiums, we've got a, a, a roof... On the alternate halfway line, I think that's the main thing. Obviously, the primary viewing points for football are, 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 are um, east and west. Um, but having been up there, not having watched the game, obviously, but being up there, it definitely feels different. It, even even um, uh, you know during the day, it's not raining, but you sit inside, it feels feels better being under a roof. So. I think people really enjoy that. There's a lot of loyal fans. Um, almost our, our most rusted on are those that sit in the east. You know, you see them lining up. They're the first through the gates. You know, everyone else is sort of strolling in. Mm. they running in to get a seat because they're um, even when it's hot or wet, they, they love that side of the stadium. So that'll be more enjoyable in the lights. That's I've got a real preoccupation with the lights. Um, they're testing them out at the moment.
0: Can I ask a quick question about that? So, um, as a as a stadium nerd, they're instantly coming on and off. So does that mean that they have the potential that when we move into 23 and daylight savings goes away, if we have a night game where it's dark, we potentially could turn them on and off
1: pretty quickly? Yeah, so light shows will, will be the norm, obviously, at night. Yeah, you know, yeah. So not, not for a 2.30 kickoff. That said, you can still see it when it's happening now. Yeah. Um, but no, change from halogen to LED lighting, uh, which, again, is relatively common uh, place in this day and age, but what it allows us to do is to switch the lights off and on, literally – A switch, yeah, um, as opposed to used to be sort of a 20 minute stand down period. If you turn them off, we always got worried if they went out one day. You know, this place used to operate largely on generators, which many people wouldn't know because of the the insufficient power coming into the site. That's one of the things they've fixed. So now we've got the ability to run light shows around pre game when we score goals, half time, so on and so forth. And the lights themselves, they've over engineered them. uh, as I said, that's been my big thing. Um, I don't know why, to be perfectly honest, but I just like lights. And mm. now they they are at FIFA World Cup final standard. So FIFA, if they were to, to audit this place relevant to to a, to the World Cup final in Qatar, the lights here would be as good, if not better. They're actually above standard for a World Cup final. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing them in action at night time. But um, coupled with everything else, new speakers, um, you know, sound for those that have been here a long time is something that. Um, It's often been talked about. Um, Yeah, and just the the general, you know, we've got new entry points, new turnstiles. So, you know, lines are an issue from time to time on match day. Sometimes it's slow to get in. You know, scanning will be a lot quicker. Um, New food and beverage outlets, you know, so on and so forth. There's a lot that's happened behind the scenes here that... um, People won't maybe necessarily notice the roof, the lights, the screens, the audio, the big ticket things. But uh, I think it'll just be a much more seamless experience for people on match day, which will be good.
0: The screens are a really good one to note as well because for the fans, especially at the Red Army side at the northern end, always would have to turn around to look at the screen for replay. So we're keeping that as just a a scoreboard, I'm assuming. And then we have the... The video screens in um, the southeast and the northwest corners which um, at least we still keep that I mean it's not as heritage as Adelaide oval w- was but it also means that the viewing points of those two video screens now are purely for videos when we can have a score solely on our remaining scoreboard
1: yeah having having one scoreboard um, at the northern end was always a bit strange was obviously the way well that wasn't even incorporated into the the 98 build that was an an afterthought but um as you say the red army having to turn around to check replays the screen whilst upgraded a few years ago it's relatively small i think the new ones are about 110 square meters each 4k you know so, so proper um screen so us sitting in the west we'll be able to look over to the southeast corner um opposite side of those in the east um we'll look over into the um northwest so yeah, two or three big screens now, which is is quite fortunate. So good viewing for everyone. And then, as you said, we'll probably use the old one um, just exclusively as a scoreboard. So um, it's all coming together. They're all testing it as we speak. Um, we'll test it uh, in, for real on Sunday. Um, and what's going and on at good. the
0: top at the at the top of the East Stand? So who will be going into there? Like where the, the window panes are now or is that just a viewing kind of platform
1: no so we've got a corporate space uh, above the east stand so awesome. the, the east stand as it was is the same so they've they've um, engineered the roof and a corporate space 300 person function space onto the east uh so that that won't be ready until later in the year but um the structure of it there you know Looks ready to go. Yeah. So that'll be really good as well. Um, and it actually improves improves the the um, experience for fans coming in off the East as well. It's now fully covered behind the back of the stadium there. you know, We'll do some stuff on there on match day as well um, for corporates. I'll come straight off the street. So yeah, lots of just little changes, subtle things on top of those big ticket ones um, that we're just really looking forward to rolling out for the game. Just two
0: things uh, about the stadium before we move into the preview. Um Does this now make you confident that when a national team comes to play here, um, we won't need to get into the conversation whether it's going to be at Adelaide Oval or Cooper Stadium? Like As a fan, and I'm speaking purely from my perspective here, um, I enjoy going to Adelaide Oval to watch football, but the benefit of Cooper Stadium is you are right on top of the game, mm-hmm. So, I guess um, some stadiums around the country and even, you know, a core stadium sometimes experiences this Marvel Stadium in Melbourne because of the, um, the oval shape. Uh, if you are on the wings, you're not sitting on top of the, the ground and sometimes mm-hmm. the LED can get in the way. So, um, this should obviously put Cooper Stadium at the forefront of the minds of the decision makers to go, this is ready to go with the things that you said, lighting, screens like it's,
1: it's here. Yeah, we've always had that problem, even for Champions League games, which we haven't played in a few years. But the, the venue was never compliant, and they'd want to go to Adelaide Oval. um particularly for national team games. A lot of that's around capacity, but fundamentally, the stadium you know, just didn't hit anywhere near the lighting standard that FIFA would expect for games to be played. Um, you can imagine the you know the broadcast dollars for national team games that are going global. Um, they've got a product to protect and the the Lux, which was around 1,100, I think, here previously, it would now be over 2,500. They're the sorts of things that put the stadium back on the map in terms of national team matches and I think we'll see that now, hopefully leading up to, I think they're expecting to get a Matildas game earlier in the year, earlier in the new year, sorry, ahead of the World Cup and and the World Cup matches that will be played here, that will be really good and I'd be surprised if the majority of them don't sell out. So I think that, that puts the venue back on the on the map. Um, the commerciality of capacity will always be a discussion point around Socceroos or Matilda's games, but I quite like the idea of scarcity and sort of hottest ticket in town and 16,500 people in here, you know, uh, without being disparaging of other venues, I think is, is, can hardly be matched, you know, um, around the country, regardless of capacity. And you know, the, the All Stars game was fantastic at a core earlier in the year. I'd suggest still the atmosphere here with, with one mm. quarter of the crowd is, is, is better because it's such a unique venue in terms of its boutique nature.
0: Just finally, um, the the beauty of Adelaide Oval when it was revamped in 2014 was um, people just coming to look at the stadium. So this presents a really good opportunity for the club now to attract fans that may not have been to an Adelaide, uh, Adelaide United game before, that uh, may be a general admission or a casual fan that... It just wants to see the stadium. And as I said, we're lucky enough to look at it now. It's, it's amazing. So this is a real opportunity for the club to hopefully put on a good performance on Sunday and throughout the season, but to attract some new fans and eyes to the venue and ultimately the club.
1: Yeah, there's no secret that through COVID, we had a really big drop off in fans, be they members. So obviously fans that have committed annually dropped off, but the casual football observer, you know, normally based around participation, in local clubs stopped coming because they couldn't. So, outside of the lack of restrictions now, which is really good, it's basically back to 2019 in terms of what we can do on match day. Uh, the the carrot there dangling, I suppose, is we'll come and check out the upgrades. You know, For football fans that, that have been to the stadium in the past and might have dropped off, um, we're hopeful that, that for the Perth game, but then also victory in a couple of weeks' time. And anecdotally I know I've got friends that are in that boat oh we've got to come and check it out and you know, we'll come to one of the games and have a look so oh, there's a good opportunity for the club on the back of COVID and that positivity on the back of a couple of years of good performances on the field that we start to get those casual observers back but hopefully some of those that on that dropped off you know, during the, the last two and a half years of COVID
0: Alright thank you for that I reckon it's time for those of you new to the Pitch Podcast we're going to change it up a little bit this year so we have a chat with our special guests and then we go into a match preview so if uh, you are heading to Cooper Stadium to watch the match on the weekend. You can have a listen to the match preview. So let's do it. Sunday afternoon kickoff 2.30 against Perth Glory. Our first home game. Nathan Cosmina um as a fan I uh I don't know how I feel so far about where we're at this season. It's a really important game, and it's obviously early in the season, but considering what's happened over the past few weeks, I'd almost call it a must-win game to really kick-start the season. From your perspective, what's the approach?
1: Yeah, it is. We've 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 had um, a couple of false starts. I won't won't put the Sydney FC game in that category. I thought we actually played really well up until the Hiroshi uh, send-off, obviously after that point. It was uphill, and... and to be honest, we, we looked under pressure for a period of time at the start of the second half, but then came back, got the got the equaliser, and probably you know deserved could have snatched the win at the end there with a couple of late chances. But the first two games are probably where we didn't start how we'd like. I've sort of said in a few forums this preseason that it's the most stable um, and well prepared our team has been. In my time at the club, at least, anyway, we, we've re-signed majority of the squad. Um, and I've said, you know, fans don't necessarily like that. They love new signings. But the squad was good last year. And we don't think it's at a point where we need to drastically change it. Signing Goody, for example, strengthens it again. Um, you know, likes of Hiroshi on a longer-term deal. Ben Wall and Harry Van der Sarg coming in. Um, we're really comfortable where the squad's at. And we were really excited to start the season well um, not really any injuries leading into the first round then Wellington away um, the worst thing that happened to us probably was, was the send off about the 25th minute I think we took our foot off the gas speaking with Carl we said that sort of changed the landscape a little bit we didn't react properly and sat back more than we needed to um, similar story in MacArthur where we just couldn't capitalise on chances weren't were ruthless enough I think it's the language Carl used and I thought we were good against Sydney for that's worth but to get it a point at least out of that game with 10 men was, was somewhat rewarding. And I think it was probably as good of, as a win mentally for the players. Just I was travelling and, and with them on the way back and just the feeling I got was that, OK, we're, we're on here whilst we had a couple of starts that, that weren't as we'd like them to be. That's a good result. Let's go home and prove a point um, and show the competition what we're capable of because everything that we've done in this pre-season, they've got a lot of belief within the team that we can go that step further and uh, and get to a grand final this year. But now's the week to prove it, um, particularly at home, particularly with the venue upgrades, particularly on the back of three away. Um, I know the boys are up for it and, um, you know, hopefully we get the three points.
0: Were you at all nervous that Hiroshi's red card wasn't going to be rescinded? Like, you can you can always look at what happened a couple of different ways. You listen to all of the pundits in real time and you think, OK, cool, well, it definitely... Wasn't a red card But we, we've spoken about this during the week And I don't want you to comment on the referees But it goes to the referee and then VAR is mm-hmm. there to overturn it It didn't happen So then you have to appeal it Was any part of you thinking We don't know what's going to happen Or was it all 100% we know the result here Hiroshi's going to play
1: No it was exactly we don't know um, I can't recall a red card being overturned The issue with incidents such as that uh, um, It's not necessarily based on how the general public or even football people view it, it's based on rules and regulations and Mm. technicalities. Um, It's quite strict and specific um, in terms of uh, referee language and how they look at these incidents. It's not as um, grey as potentially we see it as, you know, non-referees and say, "Oh, that's obviously not, let's move on. You know, well, they assess every element of the movement, you know, leading into the tackle... So on and so forth, sort of the strong opinion and argued the case that on the technical basis it actually didn't didn't satisfy um, a red card aside from the emotion of just looking at it and watching it. So we sort of broke it down in those elements and thought we had a strong case and um, it all happened real quick. We had to submit Monday morning straight away. Um, the MRP met at 4 o'clock and you know, that evening had made the decision, the right decision, um, in our opinion, not suggest the, the opinion of 99% of not only our fans, but probably Sydney FC fans as well, the right decision was made. So it was good. I mean, it's unfortunate that um, Horoshi had to miss an hour of the game and potentially cost us a couple of points. But uh, at least it was corrected, because to miss the 60, then another 90, just, just to be honest, would have been ridiculous based on, on the tackle. So it was good that the MRP looked at it, um, you know, assessed it and viewed it the same way we did. And remove the suspension element of it. You can't go back in time and change it. The, the match is the match, and we'll live with that. That's fine. Um, but to rectify it and have him back this week is really important for us.
0: You talk about the consistency of the squad, which is one of the things I've been most impressed with in the off-season. Um, ben Halloran comes back to the club. We know the impact he has had. Um, he's uh, you know, won the, the best player at the club, obviously, two years ago. Ben Wallen spends time away. and. I guess I mean this in the most respectful way to Ben, but he matures a little bit away mm-hmm. from home, so he understands how to get out of his comfort zone. He gets married, he has a child, and he comes back a, a man. Um, and then Harry, who I'm really impressed with Harry van der Sarg, not just with his football, but the way that he carries himself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that speaks volumes of the culture of the club, that you need to fit into the culture. Um, they call it like a no-dickhead policy, and he seems to really fit into that as well. So I'm sure you're really impressed um, with the the people that have all played since signing with the club or re-signing with the club, and it's just let's continue on this momentum that we finished last year with.
1: Yeah, that's there's an, there's an element of that in in when we look at the squad makeup and who we bring in and why we bring them in. You know, characters are a um, big talking point when you speak to agents or even coaches speak to players. And uh, Ben Warland, um, you know, one of our own. Um, left the club a few years ago, um, and we've been proactive in doing this as well, we just was not getting game time. Um, Might have had Ersan Goolem here at the time, um, left-sided centre-back, and Ben was getting to that age, like, you need game time. And, you know, Sydney came knocking, we said, look, you can go, you know, go fulfil your potential because we don't want to hold you back, and... We always said at the time, we'll, we'll be back here one day, you know, that's what we've said that with, with um, a lot of players that have left, and then um, when the opportunity came to to bring him back, um, we are really excited about it, because as you say, um, I think he's mid-25 now or so, and um, you saw from his performance last week, and he's matured and he's experienced now, you know, he's played a lot of games, a lot of big games, at Sydney as a big club and um, won championships and the like, so... Bringing him and also you know Harry a little bit younger, um, but they call him Bruiser out at training. He's um, he's tough as nails, just a really good guy. Um, bringing those two has been really seamless. I think the fact that um, you know Harry he was friends with Ben has kind of helped his transition from from uh, Sydney to Adelaide. So yeah, we've sort of just just and then bringing Halloran back was a bit of a bonus. We when we, when when Ben left, we you know in January. Um, that was unexpected. We didn't expect uh, that he'd be making a move to Korea. We brought in Hiroshi and Zach uh, on the back of that. Um, and then we weren't expecting Ben to be back this year. We thought, well, he's got two years over there. We'll, we'll probably see him a little bit later in his career. because um, I think he considers South Australia home. And then when the opportunity came to bring Ben back, he had other had other options. Um, but he said uh, the only one he was ever going to consider was coming back a year. So... The, the putting those three together, being Halloran, Hiroshi and Goodwin up top, we have, didn't have last year, as good as we were. And I think that, that combination um, is really exciting. And you know now Goody's back to full fitness and we'll see them in full flight. Uh, 2.30 uh, for the game, I'm you know, really looking forward to it back at home.
0: Goody's an interesting one because I feel like with Craig Goodwin, our captain, we, we had him until we don't have him. But it's now finalised that we've got him, which is great, because there were so many question marks on how long we were going to have him for. So I'm sure that helps you um, sleep at night a little bit better, because um, as Robbie Cornthwaite said in our roundtable chat that, um, you know, I'd agree with him, like, he's the best player in the competition last year, and that's no disrespect to Jake Brimmer. But obviously, um, the impact that Goody has with his scoring, with his assists, and, and he, like, Ben Warland is maturing beyond his years as well, even the way that he carried himself after the match on Sunday in the mm-hmm. straight after the game, speaking to the media, was really composed. So um, to have him locked in and other clubs would have been after him, I'm sure mm-hmm. that's really satisfying.
1: Yeah, I think people just sort of expected that Goody would stay. Like, you know, he's been on loan, he'll just stay, won't he? But when you've got, um, you know, a big con- coming off a big contract overseas... Um, he had, uh, you know, the best year of his career. Um, and as you say, and I wouldn't disagree, you know, the best player in the league, definitely the most impactful player in the league in terms of goals, assists. You know, the work he does defensively, he does it all. Um, that it wasn't straight up and down. He's okay, like well, a one July after your thirty June contract, you'll just be in Adelaide again. There's complexities to it. Um, that you know, didn't take too long to sort out but but we were really pleased with the fact that uh you know he decided to, to come home, much like Ben, I don't think there was any real other option for him, but there's lots of people that were interested in him. Um so that was a real uh you know, confidence boost for the team and the club, you know, in mid July I think we confirmed that and um not only because of his on field performance but with, with Goody, um you know in our leadership group more broadly but Goody in particular as a skipper um, it's what he does off the field you know so he does so much within that group and he's such a leader and so well respected that people don't necessarily see that not, you know not, not should you know, a lot of it goes on in the change room or out at training but um, that value he brings to the squad I think is immeasurable and, and as you say that's something that you know he took on the armband I think in January after Steph left and He's gone from strength to strength off the field as well, and you saw his football probably improve with that. Some people don't necessarily like the the, the burden of being captain, but um, you know, for Goody, I think it was something embraced. He embraced as you know, being able to lead his hometown club, and had a bit of a rocky start at this pre-season with a few niggles, but um, now he's in full flight, and I think hopefully a, a, a ready-made start for a Socceroos squad.
0: Before I talk about uh, some young players and then we'll wrap up here, um, I'm really disappointed for Zach Clough. Obviously, his injury is going to keep him out for a little bit, but I feel like we haven't seen the best of him yet because his body not, has not allowed him to do that. And just as he starts to get acclimatised to the city and Australian football, um, injury takes its toll, which must really deflate him, but also um, what he has shown it would get the supporters really excited about what he can present. He just needs to stay fit. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's been a challenge. I mean, when Zach came, he was, came in the middle of an English season, he, you know, cold winter, came here to 40-degree to days and um, uh, to acclimatise on a number of fronts, but um, primarily for his football was getting his body fit and ready for the A-League. So um, we saw glimpses last year, and then he had a really good pre-season this year, and, and you know, um, seeing him at training from time to time and what he's capable of, you can just see that there's something special there. Um, and uh, you know, playing that that ten role that is often talked about for us with the, the Hiroshi, Haller and Goodwin combination up front is something that um, we've all been really excited about. And he's just just been unfortunate, to be perfectly honest, the, the quad injury um, uh, pre-travel for the. McCarthy game, we'll, we'll put him out through the through the uh, World Cup break, but he's back doing rehab now already, um, he's on the move, he said he's feeling good, you know, and um, he's a professional, he's been, you know, um, he's achieved a lot in English football, he's had setbacks before, he's pretty resilient in that, in that respect, so now at least I was only talking to him yesterday in that at least he's got, you know, we've got a six games here but he's actually going to have three weeks where so he's not going to miss a game and he should be fully, fully fit for December so um, he'll get the chance to prove prove himself to everyone and I think um, when he does he'll be one of those that the fans really enjoy watching.
0: Who's a young player that we need to look out for this year? Uh, Nesta was the talk of the town last season but I think a, a quiet achiever um, as a love song plays in the background here because they're testing <laughs> the audio um, Popovich was outstanding um, he deservedly Got that call-up last minute to the, uh, the A-League All-Stars um, uh, in Sydney against Barcelona, which he was really excited about, but I think he was brilliant, especially last season. But there's a lot of other young kids in the squad. Um, who are we looking out for this year?
1: Yeah, there's, there are lots. Um, I know Carl doesn't like to name names. Um, I'm not picking the team, so I can just, you know, <laughs> maybe be a bit more selective, but... No, I mean, there's, yeah, Popple was, was last year. Nestor as well. Nesta saw the headlines with, with his goals. Bernardo um, did really well last year. Um, this year, there's a few others that have started to to get their taste of A-League football. Ethan Aligic now come off the bench a couple of times. Musa um, uh, Toure, uh, uh, the third of the Toure brothers. And there's brothers. expectation.
0: As soon as he came on, there's yeah, just yeah, the expectation yeah. something's going to happen. But we've yeah. And it's the same as uh, Johnny Yole. Like, Johnny Yole, uh Almost won the um, the best player in the state in the mm-hmm. uh, in football south. If he didn't go away, he mm-hmm. probably would have won that. Mm-hmm. So we've got these young kids with lots of expectation, but sometimes we forget that they're kids.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're only almost sixteen. Yeah. Johnny's seventeen. Um, you forget how you know we throw them in the deep end relatively early. It's something we're proud of, and Carl really makes a point of just to expose them. And Johnny got his first game I think about eighteen months ago. Um, As a fifteen year old, he might have even been at the time, and. Uh, uh, it's just a matter of not putting too much expectation and burden on them too quickly. You know? So Carl will manage their exposure to the limelight, so to speak. Some of them will draw more headlines than others. For Musa, with, with two um, brothers ahead of him that have achieved a lot, um, there's expectation on his shoulders. The coaches will manage that. But there's a, there's a group of young kids in there. Um, we've seen you know, young Assad um, saw some game time earlier in the year, uh, a couple of others on the bench. Uh, one went on the you know young Luka Ivanovic went on his first trip away last week. Um, that will get exposure um, this year, but I think most of them are, are eighteen or under. So um, it's going to be you know much like it was for someone like Muhammad um, over the last two years, just to manage, to manage their bodies, um, got to manage them mentally, you know, and just. Um, give them the opportunity but not overwhelm them with, with too much responsibility and Carl's big on that as he says a lot when he talks about giving these younger boys game times just go on there and have fun You know, um, don't worry about the technical tactical aspects too much you've got a job to do but don't be overwhelmed go out there and enjoy yourself and normally it, it bears fruit because all these kids have been doing really well for the last couple of years Just finally
0: I don't know what to make of Perth Glory they haven't been home for about three years they've had so many disruptions which would be really challenging to find continuity they've had a um, you know, a, a coach or two changeover, and, and here they are, where I feel like whenever we play Perth, you just don't know what to expect or predict. What's What are your feelings about our opposition over the weekend?
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel for them. Um, we complain about having three away games in a row leading into this one. As you say, they've been away for two and a half years, and under real duress as well in terms of um, uh, they're not just away for an away game, they're living away for extended periods of time. Uh, trying to chase COVID bubbles to, to play games and um, they're unfortunate for them this year that um, their stadium upgrades displaced them. Much like us, theirs are a bit longer than, than ours, but they've been away so far this season. So, look, I think they've had a good win last week. Um, they'll come here. We've got a good record against them here. Um, they'll come here with a lot of confidence um, on the back of that result. Um, they've got a lot of new players, Bit of a bit of a squad rebuild for them. I don't think... We know a terrible amount about them, other than you know, what, what Carl and the coaches would have watched over the last few weeks. So, um, but to, to speak in sort of football cliches, and I'm sure Carl will probably be saying and doing the same thing. He's not going to get too worried about them. I think he was was, um, when he was talking to him the other day. He was he was starting to look at their matches and and you know how they set up and so on and so forth. But but it'll just be about executing our plan and our guys. Um, being ruthless, as, as Carl's spoken about, which has potentially been lacking a little bit, particularly at home. Like, I just think our players, you know, Kiddos spoken about it during the week, how keen he is to come and play here again. I just think the the boys should have the adrenaline running through their veins and be pumped and ready to go that it doesn't matter who we play, um, we should be winning. Um, and I think they'll go in with that mindset. And, I, you know... Um, Hopefully the three points and a good show for the fans for the first game back. Well, let's
0: hope the rain stays away because we're not going to talk about the weather forecast. But uh, Nathan, thank you very much for your time, not just talking about um, the stadium upgrade, but also a preview into this weekend's match. We're going to do this every home game as well with different representatives from Adelaide United in uh, our men's and women's team, from the coaching staff to you, the fans as well. So you can always send in your questions. But this has been a welcome back to the pitch as we get ready for Perth Glory this weekend. Nathan, thanks for your time.
1: Thanks, Jared.